So today in James chapter 5, he talks about prayer, but it's built upon everything James has been talking about throughout the book. So I encourage you again to read the book of James, to go back to our podcast and listen to the sermons. In addition to that, I've been putting up podcasts that deal with the passages we couldn't get to on Sunday morning. I have a few more to go. Please bear with me. I'm going to try to get them up as soon as possible, but eventually you'll have a chance to really dig into and experience the full book of James as he talks about wisdom for life, about being a real Christian, about the things that matter to us, that we need to live out what we believe. And today we come to prayer. And today we come to a passage on prayer that is familiar to many, but maybe new to some. And it teaches us about prayer in a way to say that prayer is powerful, that there's a prayer to be reckoned with, that prayer is effective, meaning that it does accomplish things, that prayer is not just something that we throw away. Prayer is not just something that's just a little token there on the side, right? Oftentimes our experience with prayer is like that. We pray before a meal, or we pray before a sporting event, or we pray at some ceremony, and it becomes very much like this thing that we just do, right? It just seems to be a little extra piece there on the side. And oftentimes when we say we want to pray, everybody's like, oh, well, I don't know, right? And, and we're not sure that prayer is as important as preachers tend to say that it is. But I want to share with you from James these words of wisdom, his final words. I mean, if you can think about when you've said everything that you've wanted to say, right? And then you have a chance to wrap it up and to say, these are the final words that I want to give to you. It's interesting to note that he talks about prayer. That he says, when I want to sum this all up, I want to talk to you about prayer this morning. The reason that I want to take time on Mother's Day to pray for you is because I believe that that is the most powerful thing and the best thing that I can do for you. I believe that my prayers for you, I believe that our prayers for our mothers are the very, very best things that we can do. It's not something that's just a nice addition, but it's something that actually connects us with the power of God. And the first point that James makes is that we should be connected to the power of God, right? We need to be connected to the power of God, and we connect to God through prayer. He starts off by saying, and I'm trying to get this to work again. Hallelujah. This thing is just, all right. He begins by saying that when um, times are good, that we should be happy, that we should sing songs of praise, and when times are bad, that we should pray. So basically, he's saying that in all times, in all ways, in all places, we should pray. We should pray. When things are good, we should sing songs. Do you know that that was prayer this morning? That actually singing songs of worship is a form of prayer because we are lifting up words to God. It's a way that people have spoken to God since the beginning of time. From the earliest stories in the Bible, people have created songs and music that we might be able to sing and to connect with God. And then, of course, when times are difficult, that is when we should pray as well, right? And sometimes people only do like one or the other, right? Sometimes people only pray when things are bad, right? They wait till things are at their absolute worst. And then that's the time that they pray. That's the time that they go and they seek God. And some people only pray when times are good, you know? They only acknowledge God. When times are bad, they run and they hide from God, you know? It's often that we don't come to God all the time with everything, right? We usually have one way or the other where we come to God for certain things, but then other times we're trying to hide from God or we're disconnected from God. And we wonder why there isn't more power in our lives, right? Why there isn't more power because we're not connecting to God at all times 
of our life. There's so many verses that talk about that, that we should give thanks to God in all things at all times because God is involved in everything. So how do we do that? I want to encourage you to make it a habit of connecting with God. And you connect with God in prayer just by talking to God. You just have to start talking to God. It's as simple as that. You can talk out loud, although that's a little strange depending on where you are. <laughs> I worked with a guy in high school at a department store, and when he thought no one was around, he would start praying out loud. And it was a little strange, you know, when a customer would walk by and this guy was praying out loud. So maybe not out loud all the time, but you can pray out loud. You can pray quietly in your heart. Right? Some people find it helpful to journal, to write things down as their prayers to God. But somehow, some way, you need to start that conversation with God. You need to make a habit of connecting with God. Then you will be able to pray in all times, in all circumstances. Amen? And when you do that, you will begin to discover more of the presence, more of the power of God in your life. How many of you would love to hear God speaking to you? Come on. Would you love to hear God speaking to you? It's a habit that you develop. I want to challenge you and encourage you this week, take time every day to pray, to start talking to God, okay? Do it every day this week, and I believe that you will begin to experience more of the voice of God speaking to you, and that conversation with God beginning to develop in your lives. Because James says that we should pray all the time. If things are good, pray to God. Sing praises. Let Him know about it. If things are bad, pray about it. Bring it to God. And then he talks about one thing in particular. He says that one thing in particular that we should do is that we should pray to God when we are sick. He said, if any one of you is sick, let him call the leaders of the church to come and anoint them with oil and pray for them. And the believing prayer, the prayer of faith that is offered, will raise that person up and make them up. And if they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. So let's walk through that a little bit this morning, shall we? Let's unpack that a little bit. You'll notice that he says in the Bible that when people are sick, we should call the leaders of the church together and we should anoint them with oil. Now, anointing with oil is something that's found all throughout the Bible. One of the first places I heard about it as a kid was learning Psalm 23, which many of us in the group of the church learned as kids. In fact, it was one of the things that my mom would recite to me at night when I was going to bed, uh, you know, to just help me get to sleep. And of course, many of you know it, it's King David writing a psalm about the Lord being our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, and shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He comforts my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff that comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. For surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What is he talking about? He's talking about what a shepherd does. A shepherd has a rod and a staff. A shepherd is the one who must guide the sheep to find where they can eat, you know? There's things that they can eat that would be harmless, but he guides them to things that they can eat that would be good for them. And sometimes at the end of the day, when the sheep would be out and the sheep are looking for food, maybe they're looking for that really good, you know, leaf that's tasty, and they push their head through the bushes, and they would get scratched up, and they would get scuffed up, and at the end of the day, the shepherd would take those lambs, take those sheep that had scratches and bruises on them, and he would take oil. And he would pour it on their head to soothe their wounds. And throughout time, people would use oil literally as a medicinal purpose of helping the wounds, helping the healing process. 
and people that are wounded or injured. The same thing is said when Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan was the man who stopped and helped the one who was beaten up and wounded and bruised and left for dead by the side of the road. And Jesus said in his parable that that man took him and he poured oil on his wounds and then he bandaged him up. So we see that anointing with oil was something that people in the biblical times from ancient up until the time of Jesus believed would actually help the healing process of people who were injured or people who had wounds. Now in Mark chapter 6, Jesus sends his disciples out to preach the good news, to cast out demons, and to heal the sick. And as he sends them out, it says that they went, and everywhere they went, when people were sick, they anointed them with oil, and they prayed for them. So we see James encouraging us to do exactly what the disciples did, which is what Jesus told them to do. So why in the church do we anoint people with oil and pray for them when they're sick? Because Jesus told us to do that, and the disciples did that, and we follow what the disciples did. And James says, this should be your practice as well. And it's been the practice of church for 2,000 years since the book of James was written, that we would anoint the sick with oil, and then we would pray for them so that they may be healed. We forget the ministry of Jesus was a healing ministry. What did Jesus do more than anything else? He healed people. And often when he healed people, he forgave their sins as well. Did you catch that connection? That there's a connection between our spirits and our bodies. That healing and forgiveness often came together because God is interested in holistic healing. He's interested in healing every part of you. He's interested in healing your body and your heart and your mind and your soul. So that that healing is in all of those areas because we know that they're connected. They're connected. It doesn't mean that one necessarily causes the other. You don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean you're sick because you sin, but it just means that when we're sick in our body or we're sick in our soul, it's a sickness that affects us in many ways. And God wants to heal that. And Jesus came to heal. He came to forgive. He came to heal our minds and our hearts. That means our healing is mental and emotional. He came to heal our souls and our bodies. It's spiritual and it's physical. So I'm talking about healing this morning. I'm talking about anointing people with oil so that they may be healed from whatever sickness, from whatever disease they have. And friends, that's what sin is. It's a disease and a sickness. It's something that works against us and will eventually bring about death in our lives. But Jesus, hallelujah, praise God, came to heal us from our sin, to deliver us from all sickness. And we believe that God will heal. It says the believing prayer will raise a person up and they will be made well. Now let's just park the car here for a minute, shall we? Let's get out of the car right here and walk around for a minute and just look at this idea of faith and healing. Many times this has been misused and misunderstood. And the way that it has is it says, listen, if you have enough faith, you will be healed. And so sometimes people get prayed for and they walk away and they don't receive the healing and people scratch their heads and say, well, what is that all about? And unfortunately, some people have turned it on the person and said, you didn't have enough faith and that's why you weren't healed. Can I just come against that in the name of Jesus Christ this morning? Because that is not the word of God. That is not the word of God. That is not what he's talking about. In fact, if anything, he's talking about the faith of the people who are doing the praying, not the people who are being prayed for. 
You see, the faith that hinders the work of God is the faith that doesn't believe in Jesus. It's not about the healing. It's not about the, the expecting some kind of magic to happen, right? Because I say a magic word over you. It's not about someone believing hard enough, I will be healed, I will be healed, I will be healed. No. The healing and faith that the Bible talks about is faith and belief in Jesus Christ, in his presence, in his power, and in his person, in who he is. Let me illustrate. Going back to the book of Mark, chapter 6, where Jesus sent the disciples out, and they went from town to town, and they anointed people with oil, and they prayed for them to be healed, as well as casting out demons and proclaiming the kingdom of God, right? Okay, in that chapter where he sends them out, that same place just prior to that, it says he was in his hometown, and he couldn't do many miracles there because of the lack of faith of the people, okay? But he was able to pray for Seth and heal him. So even in the midst of the lack of faith, where he couldn't perform many miracles, he was still able to heal. The healing still happened. So what was the lack of faith? When people knew that Jesus could heal, they saw him heal. They heard stories of his healing from other towns. They didn't believe that he couldn't heal. They didn't believe that he was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God, that he was who he said he was. It wasn't that they didn't have faith in the miracle. They didn't have faith in the one who did the miracles. And that's the point this morning. Is that the faith we need to have is in Jesus because it's God who raises the sick person up. It's Jesus' authority that gives us the right to pray in his name, right? And Jesus will do everything according to his authority and his will. We must submit to that. We must be aligned with that if we're going to pray in the way that is this powerful, effective prayer that brings about the will and the plan of God. You see, what is the purpose of healing, friends? The purpose of healing is that people will believe in Jesus Christ. The purpose of healing was that people would believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that he offers eternal life in his name. That was the purpose of the healing, was to bring glory to God. And to cause faith in Jesus Christ. Do you understand that this morning? Because yes. if I have a disease and I get healed, I'm going to die eventually. So what's the purpose of the healing? Why am I being kept alive? What is the purpose of the healing? Think about this for a moment. If you are carrying something that you want to be healed from this morning, I want to ask you this question. Why do you want to be healed? What would be the purpose of your healing? So that you might live a little longer? What if God were to reveal to you that the next 20 years of your life were going to be the most difficult years you've ever experienced? You're going to go through more pain and more suffering in the next 20 years than you ever have in your life before. And it's going to be difficult. Do you still want to be healed? Do you? Or would you rather go be with Jesus, the Lord? I'm getting real. I'm talking about what you think about the scriptures, right? Do I really want to be healed if I knew that was going to happen? So if God doesn't give you an immediate healing, but rather gives you the grace and the strength to endure, then why can't we be crazy about that? Why can't we say that's the healing that God wants me? My mind shifted. My spirit shifted. And now for whatever reason, I'm walking this path. Right? And when God doesn't heal, when God does take someone to be home, the sadness is ours. It's not theirs. Because they're healed. My father is healed this morning because he's in heaven. My mother is healed. 
healed this morning because she's in heaven. In a way that my mother was never healed when we prayed for her on this earth. God will heal. God will heal. He may do it in an instant, and I believe that. He may take some time to do it. He may bring healing in different ways. He may bring healing when we finally see him face to face. But God will heal. God will heal. That's why I keep praying for healing. That's why I keep praying. You pray for somebody to be healed. God can heal them like that. And I believe God will. I believe even today God wants to heal some people like that. I believe today that God wants to start some healing that's going to carry you through a process that's going to bring you some healing. Man, you, at the end, you're going to be like, wow, I wasn't just healed physically. I was healed emotionally. I was healed mentally. I was healed spiritually. My whole healing is rising up in me like new life in Jesus Christ. That's what God wants to do. That's the healing, and I believe that God is going to do it. And because I believe he's going to do it, I continue to pray, friends. I continue to pray because the Bible has told me to pray. The Bible has said pray for healing. And if someone doesn't get healed right away, I keep praying. Amen? Because I know they will be healed. I keep praying and I don't stop praying until they get healed. He says in James that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We got to believe this. We got to believe in the power of God flowing through us. And what does it mean to be a righteous person? That our alignment, our focus is on God. So when my alignment and my focus is on God and His will, then when I pray, I'm connecting to that power of the Holy Spirit. And that's when the prayers become more powerful and more effective because I'm aligning my heart and my mind with what God's will is. we got to stop coming to God like whining children, demanding their own way and saying, God, do this, God, do that, just for me. We have to align our hearts and our minds and our souls with the purposes and will of God. That's what he wants to do. I know so many times God doesn't heal because we're not ready to pay attention to it. And the only thing that got our attention was that flesh. You understand what I'm saying? You guys are awful quiet. quiet. Sometimes it's only that affliction or that hardship that grabs our attention. And why would God want to heal that until our attention is so focused upon him? We're so aligned with him that he's ready to heal us. And release us, right? Right? So we keep praying. We keep praying. Because God is going to heal. I thought about this example. I know it's a little funny. It doesn't work. Never take an example 100%. But take it for what it is. You know when you're playing basketball, right? Anybody ever play and watch basketball? I guess you know what basketball is, right? You have someone who's great like LeBron James, right? Does LeBron James make every single shot that he shoots? No. Does he stop shooting? No. Does he miss shots? Right, definitely miss his shots, right? Somebody's like, definitely miss his shots, right? He doesn't. But does he stop shooting? No, because he knows that eventually it's going to go in. And he knows that that's his assignment and his purpose, right? So he continues to shoot. So when I talk about praying for healing, I keep praying for healing. If I'm praying for this person and they don't get healed right away, I don't stop praying. Just like LeBron just doesn't stop taking shots because one doesn't go in, but he knows that his assignment, his purpose, he knows that eventually it is going to work. So I keep praying for healing because eventually God's going to heal. And I believe that, I believe that we've, we've quit. We're like players on the court that have missed a couple shots and we quit. We said, well, I'm not going to pray anymore. Maybe we were bad. Maybe we were bad basketball players. Maybe we missed a lot. Maybe I threw up a Kobe Bryant and I went like four for 32. All right, and I missed a bunch of shots, right? Am I going to quit? Not if I'm Kobe Bryant. Are you going to quit praying? Not if you're a Christian. 
Not if you're connected to the power of God. Not if God has forgiven you and healed you and raised you up and given his Holy Spirit to you. And if God has put that in you, don't give up praying. Because your prayers are very powerful and effective. Because of the, when you are connected to the power of God, you want to do this, I got something else. You want to make the prayers even more powerful? We've got to connect to each other. We've got to connect to each other. James says, make this your practice, that you will confess your sins to one another. Whoa. Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Man, we got to get real in the church, right? we got to be honest. we got to be vulnerable. we got to be willing to take a chance and say, hey, I'm not perfect. I can confess my sins to each other and pray for each other so that we can be healed. Now, can you do that on your own? Well, of course you can do that on your own. LeBron James can be in his own basketball court, in his own home, and he can score 250 points. And he could because he's LeBron James. And he could be on his own, doing his own thing, and he could be having a great time and being successful. You get where I'm going, right? But when he is vulnerable and says, I'll join a team, and we'll work together for a greater goal, then what happens? Then what happens? You see, when we connect, we connect with the power of God. So that when I connect with you, the power of the Holy Spirit in you comes together with the power of the Holy Spirit in me. And we start connecting and that power gets multiplied. That power gets released. We experience more of the power of God. Why did Jesus say when two or three of you get together, I'm there in your midst. We know Jesus, you were already there. He's like, yeah, but when we get together, I'm going to show up in a way that you haven't seen yet. He says, whenever you agree on something, together it will be done for you in heaven. God is saying there's power when we come together, when we connect. So first we've got to connect with God. And then when we connect with God, when we get aligned with God, and we get focused with God, we got to connect with other people who are aligned and focused with God, right? That's why when you're sick, you should call the leaders of the church, those who are aligned and focused and connected with God's will, to come and pray for you and to pour the oil on you so that you will be healed. Come on, you've got to align yourself with people that are focused in the right place. You gotta align yourself with the body of Christ, amen? Because we are connected. We are connected in Jesus Christ. And it's such a beautiful thing, friends. Such a beautiful thing when we're connected with Jesus Christ. I remember being in Honduras a couple of weeks ago, and we pulled into the orphanage in Honduras. We never met these kids before, never seen them before. And these girls come out. There's like 15 of these girls, and there's, there's a picture I have on my Instagram. It's my favorite picture. And it's my wife standing there, and all of these girls are around her. And they never met each other. We live 3,600 miles apart. Never seen each other. But immediately, because of the Spirit of God, there was a connection. who have no fathers, who have no grandparents, who have no tios, who have no tias, they have the family of God. Amen. And in that moment, in that moment, my wife stepped into a spiritual mother for daughters who have no mother of hers. Amen. But they have a father. And that's why we're called a family. That's why we're called the body of Christ. Because we are connected to each other. You know why we need to confess our sins to each other and pray for each other so that we may be healed? Because when you hurt, I hurt. Because we're connected. Because when you're suffering, I'm suffering. When you're far away from God, it hurts me. It's almost an afterthought in James. It's almost like he, he adds it on at the end, but he says, oh, by the way, 
If anyone has wandered off from the truth, do you remember that that Allison read this morning? If anyone has wandered off, and we're talking about a Christian, someone who knows Jesus Christ, but they've wandered off from the truth. They've wandered off. They've gone a different way. God says, don't give up on them. Don't give up on them. But go after them. Mm. You want to rescue precious lives from destruction. Don't give up on them. Don't give up on it. And you say, but pastor, how do I do that? I try. I'm adding that. I don't know what to do. Someone's wandered away from God, and I don't know what to do. Friends, what is the context of this passage this morning? Prayer. Say it with me. Prayer. So what do you do? Somebody said it. You pray for them. Because if you believe that prayer is powerful and effective, and you get together with other people and you pray for them, then you know that God gives you the power to go find that person and say, hey, God loves you. And I'm praying for you. And I don't want to see your precious life end up in destruction. That's how much love we should have for one another. breaks my heart that because we don't deal with our own wounds and our own hurts that we hide ourselves away from the people of God from the people that love us right? we're so wounded ourselves we have not yet been healed to the point where we can reach out to others and say hey there's healing there's forgiveness there's restoration in Jesus. You see, we come to communion this morning. We come to communion this morning. And why do we celebrate communion? Because we want to remember what Jesus Christ did for us. That his body, represented by the bread, was broken and the cross for us. That his blood, represented by the juice, was shed for us. That we might be forgiven. That we might be healed. That we might be restored in every way possible. And what are we brought into? What are we healed into? What are we restored into? The body of Christ. So when you take communion this morning, when you put the bread in your mouth, remember you are part of the body of Christ, meaning that we are connected to God and we are connected to each other. And when you take the juice, and you can do it by dipping the bread in the juice or taking one of the little cups of juice, when you do that, remember that you are connected to Jesus and to each other by the blood. By the blood, right? How many of you know the blood is thicker than water, right? How many of you know that blood is blood? That your family is your family. That no matter what, you're always going to be connected to them. That no matter what happens, good or bad, that that is your connection because that is your family. That's who you came from. Well, through the blood of Jesus Christ, you are connected to each other in an even more powerful way. Because we are connected by blood this morning. You are my blood. You are my brother. You are my sister. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are my father. You are my mother. You are my family. You are part of the same body of Christ that I am a part of. So I invite you this morning to remember that as you come and take communion. First, I want us to remember God's forgiveness in this moment. I want you to remember that God has died on the cross for your sins. 
That no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, God offers you forgiveness and healing in Jesus' name. Would you join with me in prayer?